Chapter twenty five of Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharfs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharfs by Horatio Alger, Jr. Ben makes himself known. Ben went out into the street with two bundles under his arm. One contained the ragged clothes which he had just taken off. The other, which was much smaller, contained his extra shirts and stockings. The first he did not care to keep. He therefore lost no time in throwing it into an alleyway. It'll be a lucky chap that finds it, thought Ben. He next put on his gloves and considered what he should do next. It was half-past twelve o'clock already, for he had not been able to get his money from the bank till ten, and the purchases and bath, as well as the hair-cutting, had taken up considerable time. He began to feel hungry, and appetite suggested that he should first of all go to a restaurant and get some dinner. On the way thither he met two of his street acquaintances, who passed him without the slightest mark of recognition. This pleased Ben for it assured him that the change which he had effected in his appearance was a considerable one. While eating dinner, he deliberated what he should do. It was Saturday, and it would be almost too late to start for his Pennsylvania home. He decided to go to his sister's house on Madison Avenue and make himself known there, first of all. He was influenced to this partly by the desire he had to meet his cousin, who, as he knew, was making his home, while attending school, at the house of Mr. Abercrombie. He had more than once been up to that part of the city in the hope of catching a glimpse of the cousin for whom he retained his old boyish love. But he had always shrunk, even when seeing him, from attracting his observation. He did not wish to be remembered in his rags, and so denied himself the pleasure for which he yearned, but now he was satisfied with his appearance. He felt that he was as well-dressed as Charles himself, and would do no discredit to him if they were seen in the street together. He got on board an omnibus and took his seat. A lady soon after entered and sat down beside him. She drew out some money from her purse, and passing it to Ben, said, "'Will you have the kindness to pass up my fare, sir?' "'Certainly.' said Ben politely. It was a small incident, but he felt, from the young lady's manner of addressing him, that she looked upon him as her equal socially, and this afforded him not a little pleasure. He wondered how he could have been content to drift about the streets so long clothed in rags. New hopes and a new ambition had been awakened within him, and he felt that a new life lay before him, much better worth living than the old life. These thoughts occupied him as he rode up Broadway. At length he left the omnibus and took the shortest route to his sister's house. When he ascended the steps and rang the bell, he felt rather a queer sensation come over him. He remembered very well the last time he had ascended those same steps, carrying his cousin's valise. His heart beat quick with excitement, in the midst of which the door was opened by the servant. 
he had already decided to ask for his cousin, preferring to make himself known to him first. "'Is Charles Marston in?' he inquired. "'Yes, sir,' said the servant. "'Won't you come in?' She threw open the door of the parlour, and Ben, entering, seated himself in an armchair, holding his hat in his hand. "'I wonder if she'd asked me in here if I'd come in my rags?' he asked himself with a smile. The servant went upstairs, where she found Charles in his own room, writing a French exercise. "'Master Charles,' she said, "'one of your schoolmates is in the parlour. He wants to see you.' "'All right, I'll go right down.' The mistake was quite a natural one, as boys who attended the same private school frequently called for Charles. Charles went downstairs and entered the parlour. Ben rose as he entered. "'How are you, Charlie?' said Ben, rising and offering his hand. Charles looked in his face with a puzzled expression. It was not one of his schoolmates, as he had supposed, but it must be someone that knew him intimately, or he would not have addressed him so familiarly. "'I ought to know you,' he said apologetically, "'but I can't think who it is.' "'Don't you remember your cousin Ben, Charlie?' asked our hero. "'Ben!' exclaimed Charles, in the greatest astonishment. He looked eagerly in our hero's face for a moment, then impulsively threw his arms around Ben's neck and kissed him. "'I am so glad to see you, Ben,' he said. "'Where have you been all the time?' "'Then you didn't forget me, Charlie,' said Ben, returning the embrace." "'No, Ben, I've thought of you many and many a time. "'We used to be such good friends, you know. "'We will be again, will we not?' "'I hope so, Charlie. "'That was one of my reasons for coming back.' "'How did you know I was here?' "'I will tell you some time, Charlie, but not now. "'Is my sister at home?' "'Yes, I will call her. "'She will be very much surprised. "'We all thought you—' "'Dead, I suppose.' "'Yes, but I always hoped you would come back again. "'Don't tell Mary who it is. "'See if she recognises me.' Summoned by Charles, Mrs. Abercrombie came down to the parlour. She was merely told that a gentleman desired to see her. When she entered the parlour, Ben rose from his seat. She looked at him for a moment, and her face lighted up. "'It's... "'Ben,' she said. "'Oh, Ben, how could you stay away so long?' "'What, do you remember me, Mary?' asked our hero in surprise. "'Yes, I knew you by your resemblance to Charles. "'We always remarked it when you were young boys together.' "'As the two boys were standing side by side, "'the resemblance of which she spoke was quite striking. "'Ben was the larger of the two, but their features were similar.' as well as the colour of the hair and eyes, and the similarity of their dress completed the illusion. Mrs. Abercrombie surveyed her brother with satisfaction. She had been afraid he would be coarse and vulgar after so many years of neglect, if he should ever return. But here he was, to all appearance a young gentleman of whom she need not feel ashamed. "'Ben must share my room, Cousin Mary,' said Charles. "'We've got so much to say to each other.' "'I didn't know I was to stay,' 
said Ben, smiling. You mustn't leave us again, Ben, said his sister. Monday you must start for home. Poor mother has mourned for you so long. She will be overjoyed to see you again. When Mr. Abercrombie came home, his new brother-in-law was introduced to him. He received Ben cordially, and in a way to make him feel at home. In the course of the morning, Mr. Sampson called, and Ben was introduced to him. "'There's something in your brother's voice that sounds familiar,' he said to Mrs. Abercrombie. "'I think I must have met him before.' "'He has not been with us for some years,' said Mrs. Abercrombie, who did not care to reveal that Ben was a returned prodigal. "'Probably I'm deceived,' said Mr. Sampson. Ben, however, knew that Mr. Sampson had good cause to remember him. He was afraid the servant who had brought him his breakfast some months before, in the basement, might remember him, but there was no danger of that. She never dreamed of associating the young gentleman, her mistress's brother, with the ragged and dirty boy who had brought the valise for Master Charles. End of chapter 25